It's good to be saved. One of the greatest privileges that we have is God granting repentance to all men that we can come back to him through Jesus Christ, who is the door to salvation, is the door to the Father, is the door to forgiveness. And it's the greatest privilege that we have as a people who are no doubt sinful and no doubt have strayed. And so this morning I would like to preach on uh, Mark 1, 14 to 15. We're going to use this as a springboard to get into our message and we're going to turn to a lot of other verses and passages today and I pray it be a help to you, especially if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal saviour and that you'd come to know him, to know him is to know life eternal. And that's the greatest gift that you can ever have. Paul the Apostle says it's the unspeakable gift. In other words, he's trying to say that we cannot describe it. It's unspeakable. We cannot fathom what God has given us in Christ our Lord. Yeah, we might say we have forgiveness of sin, eternal life, uh, relationship with the Father. We're seated in heavenly places. We have spiritual blessings and promises and so forth. But when you dig deep into those things and you know and understand them in a, in a deeper way, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot help but sit back and be in awe of God and understand what you have. We have treasure, treasure in earthen vessel. It's an amazing thing to know that the Holy Spirit, Christ, lives in us. And that's because of the great God and Saviour that appeared unto all men and given salvation to a people who are far off and calling them to repentance and come and believe on his son, the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Mark chapter 1 verse 14. Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the kingdom of God or preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Look at this. Repent ye and believe the what? The gospel. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord God, we come before you this morning once again. And we thank you, Father, that we can bow our heads and our hearts and we can ask for help in time of need. And Father in heaven, Lord God, we know you are holy and to approach you is the great privilege and we do approach you in the name of our Saviour, Jesus Christ, that you may help us, Lord, understand these Bible, Bible truths, and in turn, you may help us believe them unto life eternal. Father, I pray that none of us in this room will let them slip, or have a heart that is deceitful, or a heart of unbelief, but rather will gravitate to those things that are true, those things that give life. And so, Father, I ask and pray that you'd continue to work in the heart of every single one of us today through the word of God that is declared in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. If I were to summarize or ascribe a mission statement to Jesus, it would be, for the Son of Man has come to, say, to seek and save that which was lost. If I were to summarize Jesus' last commissioned words to his disciples, it would be, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And if I were to uh, entitle one of his first messages that he ever preached, it would be, repent and believe the gospel. And so it is around about this time that Jesus 
when he preached his first, if you will, uh, message, it was about this time that uh, his public ministry began and John the Baptist paved the way for Jesus. And so in Matthew 3, we see in those days came uh, John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist preached the very same message that Jesus preached. And by the way, let me just say this in the way of introduction. There is only one gospel. And the gospel simply means the good news. And Jesus is the good news that has come. As a matter of fact, uh, John the Baptist knew this. He, he said the very next day, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the what? The sin of the world. So we know and understand that good news is good tidings that's come from afar. And Jesus has come all the way from heaven, been born of a virgin, lived a sinless life to die on the cross for sinners. This is the one that the prophets were pointing to, and this is the one in which John the Baptist paved the way and pointed to as well. They preached the same gospel. As a matter of fact, the prophets also preached repentance. In Ezekiel 14.6, it says, Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus say the Lord, Repent and turn yourselves from your idols and turn away your faces from all your abomination." And so Jesus hits the scene, John the Baptist hits the scene, Jesus hits the scene and he says, repent, repent, turn, turn from your ways and believe the gospel. The apostles had the same message throughout the book of Acts. Peter said in Acts chapter 2, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Apostle Paul, who was an apostle born out of due time, it says in Acts chapter 17, for as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like under gold or silver or stone, uh, graven by the art and man's device. And, and, and he says this, And the times of his ignorance God winked at, but now commendeth all men everywhere to what? Repent. He was talking to a people that were idolaters, setting up false gods and even one uh, uh, altar with a superscription to the unknown God, just in case they missed it. And here the Apostle Paul says, you need to repent from your idolatry and turn to the living God. The message of the gospel consists of preaching repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ. And so it is a message that we should continue to declare today. If, uh, the, if the prophets uh, declared it, so should we. If the apostles declared it, so should we. If Jesus declared it, so should we. It's not a popular concept today when you tell people to repent. And as a matter of fact, it's highly misunderstood. So what is repentance? What, what, does, what does it involve? Well, it involves one person to change his ways or change his mind, to, to, to think differently, to have a complete change of heart about something or to turn from something to something else. So the greater question we must ask ourselves this morning is this, why does Jesus call people to repent? And what are we repenting from? <clears throat> and uh, what, what are we to change our minds and hearts about? Th these are the questions that are important and these are the questions that need to be had. Now, I believe one of the greatest definitions of repentance is found is what they call the fifth gospel in Isaiah 55. And let's turn there today. Isaiah 55 and notice verse 6. Look at verse 6. Notice what the Bible says there. It says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Notice this. Let the wicked forsake his what? 
way. And if you go back to Isaiah 53 verse 6, Isaiah says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned everyone to his own what? way. Even right from the beginning, Adam and Eve turned from God's commandment to their own ways, disobeying God's commandment. This is how sin entered into the world. The Bible says, or Paul says this, and wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, what was the sin? Well, he goes on to say it was a sin of disobedience. The disobedience of one man. Many were made sinners. And so turning your own ways to turn your back on God's ways or God's commandments is to live in rebellion. And we know that the children of Israel lived in rebellion toward God. We know the Gentiles lived in rebellion toward God. Even uh, uh, looking to fulfill their own uh, lustful desires, which are, listen, which are embedded in the hearts of men. Because he goes on, let the wicked forsake his uh, way and, he, and the unrighteous his what? Man his thoughts. You know, remember Simon the sorcerer wanted to uh, pay the apostles money to purchase the Holy Spirit when he saw the power of God upon them. He wanted to pay money for it. You know what Peter said to him? Peter said, repent in Acts chapter 8 verse 22, therefore of this what? Thy what? Wickedness and pray God if perhaps... Look at this, the thought of thy heart may be forgiven thee. And so we know and understand by looking into the scriptures that the thoughts of the heart of man is where sin lies, evil, wickedness. This is where it begins. And therefore it makes manifest. Jesus said it best. Jesus said in Mark chapter 7, he said, that which cometh out of the mouth, uh, uh, sorry, he says, that which cometh out of the man that defileth the man. He says, from within, out of the heart of man proceeds what? Evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. Look at this. All these things come from within and what? Defile a man. And St. Isaiah says, turn from your wicked ways. Let the wicked man forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts in the days of noah god saw man's wickedness uh, in genesis 6 the bible says and god saw that the wickedness of man was what great in all in, in in the earth and that every imagination of their thoughts of his heart was what only evil continually and it repented the lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart the evil that was simply displayed in the days of Noah caused God grief to the very point that he wished he had never ever created them. Wow! In Genesis 6, the earth also was corrupt, verse 11, before God. And the earth was filled with violence and God looked upon the earth and behold it was what? Corrupt. And all flesh had corrupted his what? His way upon the earth and God said unto Noah the end of all flesh is come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them and behold I will destroy them with the earth and so repentance is not only to turn from your wicked ways but it's also to turn to God notice Isaiah again 55 in your uh, text seek ye the Lord while he may be found call upon him while he is near let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and look at this and let him return unto the Lord. Now, it's impossible for a person to return to the Lord or to God without first seeing his wicked ways. 
It's very difficult for a person to understand that they need to come back to God if they don't realize they have strayed from God. Even James says it, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. Now, in other words, there's been a, a stray there. There's been a drawback. There's been uh, you know, a sliding away or to turn back. And God calls men to repent. Paul, when he preached, he says, I have kept nothing in Acts chapter 20, verse 20, that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly from house to house. Look at this. Testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, what? Repentance toward who? God, to return to God. That's what it is, to turn to God. To turn back to God with, with your heart, with your mind. 1 Thessalonians 1.9, the Apostle Paul says to them, for they themselves showed of us what manner of entering we had unto you, and how ye turned to God. Look at this. From your what? Idols to serve the living and true God. Not only this, but repentance is to receive Christ as uh, your Lord and Savior. So you, re you turn back to God, you forsake your way, you turn back to God, and then you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. This all happens in the heart and mind of a man. And he says, I've testified both to the Jews and to the Greeks, to the Gentiles, repentance toward God and faith and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus preached, he says, repent, and believe the gospel. In Romans 10, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's, that's faith demonstrated. And so repentance and faith go hand in hand. You can't have one without, without the other. They're, they're like twins, brothers and sisters. So genuine faith in Christ will cause you to repent and repentance toward God will cause you, genuine repentance that is, will cause you to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The response of the people of Nineveh is an example of this. I want you to see, uh, for the sake of time, we won't turn to every verse, a lot of passages turn to, but for the sake of time, let's just see this here on the screen. You can note down the references, look at the passage yourself at another time. But the word repent or repentance is not found in the book of Jonah. As a matter of fact, you see the demonstration of it, but it's not found. Uh, a lot of people say the word repentance is not found in the, in the gospel of John. Fine, but you see the demonstration of it. You see how when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you see the demonstration. And many times Jesus said to those that he encountered, especially the woman's caught in Dory, go and sin no more. He didn't go, so go and sin some more. No, this is a heart of repentance that she's displaying. The, the, intimate man, the impotent man that was actually healed from his cripple, for, you know, Jesus healed him, found him later in the marketplace and says, uh, you better not sin lest something worse happen to you. So as we sung, we're not saved to sin some more, we're saved to sin no more. In other words, we repent, we come back to God, we, 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 we're a new creature in Christ, and we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and God begins to work this, this newfound faith and salvation in our hearts and orders our steps. Without God and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, we cannot. But understand, repentance is to have a genuine heart, to believe on Jesus Christ, and He is our Lord, not only our Saviour, that's why we come back, because we strayed from God. We wanted to be the Lord of our life. We wanted to do what we wanted to do. It's living our own way. It's going like a sheep astray, wanting to live without God and, and His Word. And we come back, and we get saved, and we now follow Him. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. It's a strange thing for people to say, I believe on Jesus, but not follow Him. It's strange to me. All right, there's a following there's an adhering to. And so genuine repentance leads you to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see this demonstrated here in the life of the Ninevites. I want you to see it. 
Jonah 3, look at verse 5. So the people of Nineveh, what did they do? They believed God. But what, did, what does Jesus say about them? Matthew chapter 12, verse 41, And the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. Why? Because they what? Repented at the preaching of Jonas or Jonah. And by the way, the preaching of Jonah was of several words, one statement. It wasn't something spectacular. You know what he said? 40 days and you're done. God says, 40 days and you're, and you're done. And they believed God. And they repented. And the Bible says in Jonah 3 verse 10, look at this, and God saw their works, in other words, their actions, that they turned from their what? What did they turn from? Their evil way. So they believed the message of Jonah that, you know what, God's judgment was coming upon the Ninevites. They believed that, they repented, and God saw it. And so believing will cause, on God's word, will cause you to what? Repent. Turn to him. And they did. And Jesus affirms it. You know, the prodigal son is a perfect example of what repentance is. Let's go there. Let's go to Luke 15. We'll come back to Isaiah 55 later on. But have a look at uh, Luke 15. I want you to see something there. And look at verse 17. Well, you know the story. The prodigal son strays from the father. He spends his uh, uh, you know, inheritance on riotous living. And then he began to be, uh, be, uh, be in want. Because uh, there was a famine in the land. He draws near to a man that was uh, feeding swine. Gets a job there feeding the swine. He ends up in the, you know, eating the same food that the pigs did eat. He hits, if you will, rock bottom. Uh, Luke 17, look, uh, 15, look at uh, verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's house have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? He says, I will. By the way, repentance and faith takes a decision of the will. He says, I will arise and go to my father, I, and will say unto him, Father, I have what? I have sinned. What did he do? Well, we know the story. He went his own way. I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy higher servants. This is, a, this is an absolute statement here. No more worthy is when someone comes to the point and realizes they're not worthy of God's grace and mercy and forgiveness. They're not worthy of, of God's love. They're not worthy. That's why grace is grace and mercy is mercy. That's, why, that's what makes unconditional love unconditional love. And the person realizes they don't deserve that. He realized that he didn't, after all that he had done and strayed from the father's house and spent all his substance on riotous living and realizing that he's not even worthy to be called a child of God or a child of the father, in this case the parable, verse 20, and he rose and he came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And notice this again, verse 21, And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and no more worthy to be called thy son. And you know the story, forgiveness and compassion was demonstrated. Celebration. When a one sinner, Luke 15, 10, comes to repentance, 
what happens? There is rejoicing in the presence of who? The angels. That means God is rejoicing. Hence, the Father rejoiced. And He caused others to come again and rejoice with Him. It's a wonderful thing. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Another one is Zacchaeus. Look at chapter 19 in Luke. Zacchaeus is an example of repentance. You know, Zacchaeus' background, he was a kind of standover man, wasn't he? Short in stature, but yet a bully. Rorded people. And he sees and all, he is about the Lord Jesus coming his way. Look at verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood. Uh, sorry, let's, let's back it up a bit. Uh, uh, verse 4. And he ran, and before, uh, before, this is Zacchaeus, and he climbed up the sycamore tree to see him. That's Jesus, for he was passed that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and he said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. This demonstrates faith, where he received the Lord's invitation joyfully. Amen? And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was going to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And look at, he didn't really care, Zacchaeus stood and he said unto the Lord, Behold, the Lord, half of my goods I will give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I will restore him fourfold. Wow! What a demonstration of repentance after receiving the Lord. And look what Jesus says to him. Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation. Come to this house for as much as he is also the son of Abraham, verse 10, his mission statement for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was what? Lost. By the way, if you have gone so far as Zacchaeus and the prodigal, listen, God is willing to seek you out and save you if you receive him. Uh, he came to his own and his own received him not, but as many as received him, look at this, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, to them that believe on his name. And when you come, look at this demonstration. Zacchaeus knew. And by then the Holy Spirit wasn't given. He's doing, much, he's doing much better than your average Christian that says they have the Holy Spirit. It was enough, the presence of God working there, Jesus in his heart. There was enough, God works. Listen, even in the days of Noah, Genesis 6, God, 6, God says that God will not strive with man all the time. In other words, he, the average lifespan, he said, is about 120. And, 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 and when you die and you're, and you're dead and you step into eternity, that it, that, that's it. And God is willing to work with people as, as long as there is some hope in the heart of man. And I believe only God knows that. It's very hard to determine if someone's actually crossed that line of, 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 of no return a point of reprobation. It's difficult, but we, we have to preach repentance and we have to continue to call all men everywhere to repent. I believe it's important. It's, it's one of the, the steps, if you will, to, to, to uh, invite people to believe on the gospel. It's to turn from your wicked ways and turn to God and believe on His Son. How does the gospel make sense if you don't tell people that they're sinful? Matter of fact, the Bible says that the schoolmaster, the Ten Commandments there, uh, uh, were the very thing that will help people see their sin to turn to Christ. It intensifies, if you, or it reveals the heart of man in a greater way to show them their need for Christ. Another man that turned to God at his dying bed 
is the thief on the cross. Have a look at Luke 23, you know this. He was a perfect example of repentance because if you know this thief like the other, in the beginning, also mocked the Lord. You know, the Pharisees were simply uh, wagging their heads, mocking the Lord, saying if he, uh, he saved others, yet he can't save himself. And the Bible says that the two male factors cast the same at his teeth. They said the same thing, they mocked him. Now, there would have been a space of time or hours for this uh, criminal to realise what is going on. What is taking place? He, Jesus, is being condemned for what? What did he do? And he would have realised, look, we deserve to die. We deserve what we get. They're criminals. And so there would have been a, stay, a, a space of time for this man to rethink his position and what was taking place. And I believe he did. Have a look at Luke 23. Look at verse 39. Notice what the Bible says there. And he, and it, uh, <clears throat> Luke 23. Am I in the right place here? Now here we go. And one of the male factors which were hung railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering, he had a change of heart. He had a change of mind. Because he wasn't like this in the beginning. Something happened. And he rebuked the other. Saying, dost, dost not thou fear God? Uh, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And he says, we indeed justly. For we receive the due reward of our deeds. He realized he was a sinner and he realized that he deserved to die. That is, that is a great, you know, uh, understanding to come to. You must. Uh, look at this. But this man hath done nothing amiss. That also was a great understanding to come to. To realize that Jesus is the Holy One of God, has done nothing wrong, lived a sinless life, perfect right look at verse 42 and he said unto him lord lord remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom i believe at that particular point he would have called out by faith lord remember me what did the answer come back and jesus answered him verily i say unto thee today shall thou be with me in where paradise what an assurance what a blessing that's a great demonstration of a man in a space of about five hours or so of a change of heart. A change of heart, change of mind, turning to the Lord, returning, realizing he was a sinner, realizing that he deserved to die. He deserved what he got. Jesus had done nothing wrong and he turns to the Lord and calls on the Lord. Go back to Isaiah 55. This leads us to the result of a person repenting and believing on the Lord. What do they get? Have a look. Isaiah 55, verse 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord. And what will happen? And he will have mercy. And he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will what? Abundantly what? Wow. You know, this always intrigues me about how God wants to forgive repentant sinners. <clears throat> you know, God just doesn't want to forgive you. God wants to forgive you, forgive you. 
I mean, he wants to forgive you and pardon your sin. He doesn't, he doesn't want to remember your sin no more. As far as the east is from the west, as far as the, uh, you know, the heavens uh, are concerned, he, he, you know, all the way, God wants to remove your iniquity, forgive you, and give you. And, and how does he do that? By his mercy. And his mercy is extended by his love. It's the characteristic of God's love toward us that God is willing to show uh, mercy and forgiveness comes therefore as a result of those that repent and believe. It's tremendous. God wants to pardon you. God wants to forgive you. God wants to have mercy upon you. But you have to forsake your way. Return to the Lord. Yes. I don't want my way anymore, Lord. I want your way. I'm a sheep that gone astray. I've turned to my own way. I deserve to die. I am a sinner, but I in need of you. You, the Holy One of God, has done nothing amiss. You, the Lord Jesus Christ, that come all the way from heaven to die for my sin. You read Isaiah 53, the suffering Savior. He, he, Isaiah, prepares the way and now calls them to repent and turn to him. You know, God has shown us mercy through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53, verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone his own way. But look at this conjunction. And the Lord hath laid upon him the what? The iniquity of us all. Wow. He was bruised for our what? Transgression. Our iniquities. Wounded. Bruised. Crucified. For our sin, nailed to the cross, our Saviour dying in our place to justify us through faith. It's a beautiful thing that God wants for every single person. God has made a way possible for sinners to come back or return to the Lord. And that way is only through the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. This is what Israel was waiting for once and for all, that their Redeemer will come. It was the very reason why Jesus came into the world. His name is Jesus, that he would save their people from their sin. And he would, he would seek to save the Son of Man, to seek and save that which was lost. And though we have turned everyone to his own way, God has made a way for us to return to the Lord. To return to God. And that way is through who? Jesus Christ. And he said it himself. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Please turn with me to Titus chapter 3. Leave your finger in uh, Isaiah 55. Have a look. Titus chapter 3. God would have mercy and wants to forgive us our, our, our sins through His Son. Jesus Christ. Have a look at Titus chapter 3. Notice the description Paul here gives to Titus. Describing sinners, wicked, evil people. There's a description here. In verse 3 he says, For we ourselves were sometimes, look at this description, foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That's the uh, description of an evil man or an, a, a wicked man that's turned to his own way. But look at this. Uh, but after that, the kindness and the love of God 
our Saviour to all men appeared. How? Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by His mercy He what? Saved us. By the washing of the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly. How? Through Jesus Christ our Saviour, being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life, which, if you go back to chapter 1, was promised when? Before the world began. It's one gospel that God planned and purposed before the world began. And now, through Jesus Christ, it becomes a reality. To all those who believe, and receive His grace and His mercy. Isn't that tremendous? It's wonderful. It's good to be saved. It's wonderful to be a Christian, to be forgiven and justified and reconciled. Are you reconciled to God? Have you made peace with God through Jesus Christ? Because those that are outside of Christ, you are His enemy. You're His enemy. And you know what God is going to do with His enemy when He returns? He's going to destroy them. We'll look at that toward the end. But he will destroy them. You know, Jesus didn't say repent and do good works, did he? What did Jesus say? Repent and believe the gospel. That's the key. But many people believe that, uh, you know, that they can actually return to the Lord by showing their good works. And God won't accept it. Remember, he gave a parable between the religious man or, or, or the Pharisee and the, and the publican. And, and he showed the difference between one boasting in his re, re, religiosity and the other one beating his hand upon his chest and saying to God, have mercy upon me, a what? Sinner. But many believe. And you know what Isaiah says this? Isaiah 64 verse 6, But we are all as unclean thing, and all our righteousness is like filthy rags. Everything that we have to offer to God at best is like pus-filled rags. There's nothing that we can do to earn our way to God or to merit His mercy. It's what Jesus has done. And it's through Jesus that we can be saved. Uh, the Bible says very clearly, By grace are you saved through what? Faith. And that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of what? Works, lest any man should boast. I met a man that was brought up Methodist uh, on Saturday. And I said, if you were to die today, do you know where you're going to go? He said, I'll be going to heaven. I said, how are you going to get there? He said, I'm a good person. By the time I finished presenting the gospel and showing him this verse, I got up my phone and I said, let's read this together. And it was so clear as crystal. And you can see the penny dropped. It's amazing what God's word can do in the heart of a person. Changes everything. Changes our thinking. We're thinking, majority of the world thinks that they're going to get to heaven by their good works. And the reason why Paul here is making that mention is, hey, listen, no one's going to get to heaven by their good works or by their own merit. No one's going to boast before God. There's, a, there's no boasting other in the cross. God forbid that shall glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no glory outside of the cross. Not for the Old Testament saints or the New Testament saints. There's no glory. Listen, let me tell you something. Read David. Read the Psalms and see. By the way, we're told to read the Psalms. We're told to sing the Psalms. We're told to encourage one another with the Psalms because there lies prophecy of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And David knew that there's no mercy outside of the Lord. David, David saw it. 
Romans 4 makes it very clear. Paul alluding to David that David saw it. Very clear. All you've got to do is read your Bible. Sometimes, this is what happens, sometimes we go beyond just reading the Scriptures and taking them for what they are, and people want to go and cast their judgment or their private interpretation and it just causes confusion. But if you just pick up your Bible sometimes and you read it, it doesn't need interpretation. You read it and it's there. And it's clear. And you can't run away from this verse. We're saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. If you can be saved by your own merit, by your own works, by your own uh, goodwill, then why did Jesus suffer and die on the cross? Some people believe that they can be saved by keeping the Ten Commandments. But that's not true because we've broken them. And we're now the lawbreakers. And Paul says to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 2, verse 21, uh, he says this, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead for what? In vain, in for nothing. If you can get saved by your own merit and doing good and all the rest of that, keeping the law, then why did Jesus come? A man said yesterday, good question. Oh, let me tell you why he came. He suffered. And he died. For you. For you. Listen, you can't go, by, you can't go past the cross. You pass the cross, you finish. You've got to via the cross. You've got to go via the cross. You pass the cross, you're gone. You're finished. You've got to come to Christ. Crucified Lord. Amen? Proverbs says in Proverbs 16, 25, there is a way that seemeth right on the man, but the end thereof are the ways of what? Death. You know what Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, say the Lord, for as as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And you know what God's thoughts are? Jesus is the answer. It was a perfect thing. I mean, I couldn't get any perfect situation at that particular time when I was wearing Jesus is the answer. The guy would just look. Jesus is the answer. Not works, religion. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life through who? Good works? Go on the church, keeping the commandments? No. Through Jesus Christ who? Our Lord? There's no other way. Here's the answer. Here's the key. Here's the reason why we turn from our ways is so we can turn to God through Him. There is no other way. No other way. Let me just say that repentance... Is, is not just a change of lifestyle. See, some people think when they come to God, they have to change themselves by themselves. And let me tell you something, my friend, you cannot. That's why you need a Savior. No, you come, you get saved, and God does the work in you and through you, begins to mold you and make you. It's part of the work of salvation, and it's called sanctification. This is why we need the Word of God, that we desire the sincere milk of the Word, that we may grow. Lay aside every, every sin, hypocrisy, evil thinking, all the rest of it. Even as believers, I'm not talking about this today, but even as believers, we're still in bondage to this flesh and our flesh wars against the spirit and will hinder the very thing that God wants to do. And we as Christians must continue to walk in the spirit so we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But what I'm saying to you is you cannot be saved or changed 
by yourself. We need a saviour that saves us, gives us the Holy Spirit, and he begins to work by his spirit and his word. Sanctify them by thy truth, for thy word is truth. Walk in truth. This, he, the word of God, is the very thing that will continue to help us put on the belt of what? Truth. The breastplate of righteousness. All these different, the shield of faith, the feet, uh, you know, shod with the preparation of the gospel, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Our responsibility as Christians is to maintain our excellent spirit by living a righteous life according to the will of God, the spirit of God that leads us to put on the whole armor of God. Every piece with prayer. Even as Christians, my friend, you cannot live the Christian life without the word of God and without the spirit of God. And then some people think that repentance is just being remorseful. Oh, I'm sorry. No. It's not just that. You can be sorry for your sin, but not believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. The perfect example is Judas. He was kind of regretful of what he did. Listen, Judas betrayed Christ. He didn't believe on Christ. And he was, uh, had you know, repentance that was worldly sorrow. It wasn't godly sorrow. It was worldly sorrow. No, true repentance has to be godly sorrow, that the Spirit of God works in our life, illuminates our heart, and instead of resisting, resisting, we respond by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. We agree with God. You know what confession is? Agreeing with God, saying, God, you're right, I'm wrong. It's adhering to the truth. It's believing the truth of God's word. So what happens if a person doesn't repent and believe the gospel? What would happen to him? Well, we know the famous chapter in John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not what? Perish, but have everlasting life. So the opposite is true. They will be perishing. They will be condemned. Verse 36, very clear. He that believeth on the Son have everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but what abides upon him? The wrath of God. God's judgment. So those that don't repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ are going to experience the wrath of God coming upon them. I want you to think about this now. Why did Jesus use Nineveh as an example to the generation that he was preaching to? Let's look at it again. Matthew chapter 12, look at verse 41. The men of Nineveh should rise in judgment with this generation. And he uses them as an example and condemn it because what? What was the difference between Nineveh's generation and these Pharisees that were religious, God's chosen people. They repented. And this is why John the Baptist, I believe, said, hey, listen, don't, don't rely on your, uh, on your seed, father, your, you know, being from the seed of Abraham. Because you know what? God is even able to make from these stones children of Abraham. You too need to repent. And this is, by the way, how we become the chosen generation a royal priesthood. What God intended for Israel is everything in Christ fulfilled by faith. And they rejected Christ. You reject Christ. You reject everything that God purposed for Israel. The unconditional promises made to Abraham and made to David. But he uses Ninevites, not chosen people, to condemn the chosen, so to speak. What was the difference? They repented. They believed God. And, and, and to the Ninevites, that, that was the plan of salvation for them at that particular time. 
And here Jesus has to send him preachers and he, he, he lets them know and they reject him. The Ninevites, they weren't God's chosen people. They, they were less privileged. The promises weren't given to them. As a matter of fact, you know, let me just say this to you. And I'm trying not to preach next week's message. <laughs> but let me just say this to you. The church doesn't, re- or the Gentiles, or the church don't replace Israel. We're grafted in the promises of God. The petition has been broken that we can be partakers of uh, the faith uh, that was promised to, uh, to Abraham and his seed. We are therefore, by faith, partakers of those promises. Those promises were made to Israel. Now we can uh, benefit from them. We are grafted in. These people reject their Messiah, the one that had come. They didn't repent and believe God. What's going to happen to people like this? Gentile or Jew? What's going to happen? You're going to be destroyed. As it was in the days of Noah. Look at this. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. Like it was in the days of Jesus Christ, the Son of Man came to seek and save all the way to the second coming of Christ is going to happen like it was in the days of Noah. What happened in the days of Noah? They eat, they drink and married. Let's not forget, what did they commit? What did God see? Wickedness, evil, imagination of their wicked heart continually. Living without God. Living without God. Doing their own thing. Being gods on earth. Redefining, by the way, I think we've come to the very point that we're almost worse than these people. Redefining everything that God set up. Redefining marriage. Redefining gender. Redefining the church. Hey, listen, and you want to tell me that our society is in a good state? One person yesterday said to me, uh, when I said to them, uh, if you were to, uh, to die today, where will you go, heaven or hell? She says, oh, well, we are in heaven. I said, if we're in heaven, we're all in trouble. This is not heaven, my friend. This is far from being heaven. Other people say we're in hell. But as it was in the days of Noah, shall it, shall it be in the days of the Son of Man, they'll be eating and drinking and marrying, and they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the what came? Judgment. And what happened? They were destroyed. Every single one of them. And God promised by putting a bow in the, in the sky that it would never destroy men by a flood. But he would still destroy them by how? Anyone can tell me? Fire like Sodom and Gomorrah. The same day Lot was taken out, God's judgment happened on the same day they were destroyed. If you don't repent and believe the gospel, you will be destroyed. The wrath of God will come upon you, not only temporarily, but for all eternity. You'll be cast out of the presence of God forever and ever and burned in the lake of fire and be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's what the Bible says. So what, when should a person repent? When? Not only what happens, but when? Oh, Isaiah 55 verse 6. Look at this, I want you to see. Seek ye the Lord, when? While he may be what? Found. You know, I was saying to a person yesterday, you know, God's not far. You know, when I was in religion, in the Catholic Catholicism, I thought God was so far that I can draw near to him. And you know who put that hindrance there? The Pharisees or the priests of that day. I was an altar boy. It says, come unto me and you have your sins forgiven. But Jesus says, no, you come unto me and I'll give you rest. 
And I heard that later on. God is near. He's not far. He's, listen, one call away. By faith. Draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you. By faith, come to Christ. And this is how we are close to God. The new living way, the new testament. We come through the high priest. Seek ye the Lord. Yeah, he sought us and when the gospel comes to us, we seek him. We believe on him. He does the first uh, you know, attempt and we then uh, are exposed to those beautiful things that he gives to us and we're either drawn to him by the cross. If the Son of Man be lifted up, he will draw all men unto him. And the preaching of the cross is an example of drawing men to him. Some resist and some receive, some believe, some don't. But now, why he may be found now, call upon him while he is near. Listen, carefully, you die. It's too late. It's done. Now is the, Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, now is the accepted time. Now. Now. Have a look at Hebrews chapter 2. Look at Hebrews chapter 2. Look at verse 1. Hebrews chapter 2. Look at verse 1. He says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them what? Slip. Don't let him slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how, look at this, listen, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. And by the way, go back to chapter 1. Have a look at the first verse of Hebrews chapter 1. Look at this. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in past unto the fathers by who? There you go. But, he says this, having these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Same message. Repent. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn from your idolatry. Uh, turn from your own way and turn to the God. Turn to the Lord. He says the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. You know what that means? It's near. It's so close. And Jesus is the key to the kingdom. He's the entry to the kingdom. 
Without Christ, you aren't getting in. And when you believe on Christ, guess what? Spiritually speaking, you're given a white robe. And if you're in there and you don't have a white robe because you haven't believed in the righteousness of God which is in Jesus Christ, guess what's going to happen according to that uh, uh, parable? You know what, the, what, it, what they said? Coming from God, carry him out. Get him out! You know what the revelator says in Revelation 22? Where the dogs are and everyone that maketh a lie. Get them out! Unrepentant sinners. Today is the day of salvation. Now if you hear his voice, harden not your heart, Hebrews says. You know what Spurgeon said? The same sun which melts the wax hardens clay. And the same gospel which melts some people, persons to repentance, hardens others in their sin. This message can either make you worse or better. Bitter or better. You can harden your heart toward God to your own destruction. Or you can just humble yourself and receive him as a little child through Jesus Christ. Stop living your way and start coming and living God's way through Jesus Christ. And heed the message of Christ. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord God, we come before you and thank you, Father, for your grace and for your mercy and for your forgiveness upon our lives. We can't thank you enough, Father. You've been too good to us. You have granted, Lord, from the foundation of the world, promised eternal life through your Son. And you cannot lie. And we're so thankful for the promises of God, Lord God, that we find in our Saviour Jesus. And Lord, if there be anyone here today that they're in church but they're not in Christ, please, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to their hearts. I pray that you'd help them understand that we cannot be saved by works, only by the blood of Christ, through faith and faith alone. Please, I pray, Lord, that you would work in the life of these children here. That they'll be wise hearing the Scripture unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that this message that we hear will never become common. Would never, Lord, be callous it but the old old story would continue to revive us and we as Christians that have believed Lord would be praising you for it worshipping you loving you I pray that we would offer the sacrifices of our lips Lord to you for we are a holy priesthood Lord we love you and we thank you for loving us this way by giving us your Son, your only begotten for us, showing mercy and grace, not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. 
We're so thankful, Father, for the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, the good news found in him. Thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for the truth that lies therein. And I pray, Lord, that we don't only believe in it, but as Christians that have, we would walk in it. And that you will continue to do a work that you, you, you predestined to do, and that is to conform us into the, the image of your dear son. We long for that, especially in this wicked generation. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name, amen.